0: Welcome to the first ever episode of the free reeling podcast i have to say that slow because i know i'm gonna mess it up if i say it fast um why why did uh we choose you don't even know who we are but why did we choose a hard name it's because it sounded cool um yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if this is your first time listening to us talk you it probably will be uh, surprise I, it's our
1: first time talking yes, so <laughs>
0: yes, first, time, first time me jesse and matt the other voice you're hearing matthew uh yes. uh have ever spoken uh through audio before <laughs> and we decided you know what normal social interactions are stupid let's make a mm-hmm. podcast out of our meetings um
1: so yeah i'm gonna do our i'm gonna do our first interruption and first tangent if I told you how many times I've met a stranger on the internet and just started talking to them and had it not go weird, because none of them have really gone weird, I'm, I'm really good with this track record, so let's yeah, just yeah. keep doing this.
0: Yeah, I, I think, I think Matthew, you're like the normalest person I've met through the Uppercut. I mean, I don't know how normal I am, but you are the most normal person I've met through there.
1: And I don't know if that's a judge of character. Are, you? That's that's only a minute, so. You, <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I, I should clarify that before. Do you want to be called Matthew or Matt? It does not matter. Okay,
1: because I'm like I introduce, I, interd- just- I interd- like uh, I introduce myself as Matthew, but almost everybody says Matt, except for my wife.
0: Yeah. Um, so I, I don't mind saying either. It's funny. I have a friend named my best friend's name Nate. Mm -hmm. um and his full name is uh nathaniel right let's see here's the thing the problem is i would always call him nathaniel and nathan to Mm -hmm. throw him off and i don't remember which one's the real one now because i would always say the opposite every time even though one of them is not his name
1: (laughs) yeah sure so, I mean, if you ever if you ever have to handle his birth certificate, then you know that,
0: that becomes the issue. <laughs> that, um, so,
1: so Nate, Nathaniel, Nathan, don't get it, Jesse don't power make, of attorney. <laughs> yes,
0: so don't make me make the decisions. Um, so, if you're coming to this, and you don't know what what this is. Um, I, I would hope free reeling would give away what the what
1: this podcast was. I mean, to, now as someone who knows a lot about music, this could easily just be a Steely Dan fan cast, but.
0: Oh man, that's we should nice. talk about Aqualung just as a bonus. Episode.
1: <laughs> no, that's that. That's that. No,
0: <laughs> that is Jethro Tall. <laughs> oh, Steely Dan Jethro Tall. No. Steely Dan did
1: reeling in the years. <laughs> so,
0: as my dad, who's a giant classic of Rock fan, and used to quiz me while we were in the cars, like, "Who's this? Who's this?" It'd be oh, very geez, am I your dad? Because that's what I do to my wife. <laughs> but also to be fair <laughs> to myself, for the longest time, I always would get Leonard Skinnerd and. um, uh, who's the other one? Uh, Van Halen confused. Don't know why. I just would. So I think getting Jethro Tull and uh, and uh, Steely Dan confused is the same level.
1: <laughs> no, I, well, like the Leonard Skinnerd and Van Halen. I don't know why that. I can't. It makes yeah, sense. Why I can't. Yeah, it, it makes it makes a lot of sense. I don't ask me to show my work on this one because I I can't. They just both sound like they're from and- the south that's, that's true yeah maybe
0: that's it um so, so this we'll is a about... movie
1: podcast that's really what yes we are going to talk about yeah we, i like i said first first derailment this is what i do yeah <laughs> i uh, apologize in
0: advance yeah this is perfect uh this is a movie podcast that we'll be releasing every other week hopefully if everything goes according to plan yes. where and it, 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 there's other movie podcasts that do this like there's the lessons from the screenplays podcast there's other mm-hmm. movie podcasts i don't have a listen to. Where they just talk about the structure and the the built of a movie,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: I really, I really want to do that myself, and I know what else to do with. So I really want to do a podcast of it, where we dissect and take apart themes, characters, actors who got picked for the movies. Like, why did these actors get picked? Is there something special about them? Because there's sometimes an actor gets picked because the character is written for the actor, or you could just mm-hmm. see the actor be the character no matter what. Yeah. Um, so that's one that one, I want to really just deep dive movies here. Um, we're not doing that this episode. This is episode zero. Yeah.
1: Uh, this is our getting to know you episode. Yeah. This
0: is, this is you knowing, getting to know us, and us getting to know each other is really what this episode is. It's probably going to be shorter yeah. than all the other ones, I assume. Um, but uh, yeah, that's really what this episode or this show is going to be about is really diving in as deep as we can with the movies we pick. I'm uh,
1: excited.
0: And and the, and the thing that we're gonna to try to do is eventually we're gonna have guests on, but we're all gonna present a movie, and then we vote on which movie we want to cover. If if a guest comes on, they're gonna we're doing their movie. That's just how that works. Yes. But for us, we'll always present, and then I mean, I think I think we could be pretty convincing to each other. It's like like it's not always gonna be one sided. So yeah. uh, so I'm I'm excited. Um, so Matt, I'll let you talk for a bit because I've been talking a bunch. Uh, okay why don't you talk about kind of where you fell in love with movies
1: um so i have so i'm i'm going to i'm going to really just sort of i'm just gonna i'm just gonna i i'm i overshare a bit so uh, i that's go just, for it just as really long good. as you're comfortable we're good ever since ever since i was a kid i i've always loved watching a movie um like I still remember like my very first few theater experiences my 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 first time in a movie theater in a big dark room in front of a big screen I got to see return of the jedi in 1983 yes I'm that old um but I've also always sort of been by myself in that mm-hmm. hobby up until like up until I was in my early 20s when I moved to Philly, and then I met a whole bunch of like-minded film folks, um, which was very liberating because then I could talk about weird subtitled movies and, and, and whatever. Um, but I, I mean, I think probably the one where I fell in love with the form was when I watched the movie Watership Down, and I was like, this was before, I was five. So this is like before kindergarten. Now, a five-year-old should not be watching Watership Down. Yeah, it's traumatizing. If you've ever seen it, my mom must have thought I was insane. Now, I have other stories from like of, of weird things that I just did as a kid. Um, but my my mother had to worry about this kid that wanted to watch an animated film about rabbits and fascism and environmental disasters and and just it was actually it's actually hauntingly violent Mm -hmm. for for an animated movie of the time and and yeah but Watership Down was probably the first the first real movie that I was like hmm there might be something to this thing and I of course you have uh, Watership Down is like a, one of those transition. It's like a transitional object. Yeah. Um, like I I sort of carry it with me through my life, and I and I keep watching it. It's not like we brought our top ten films to this just to have something to talk about. Uh, Watership Down is nowhere near my top ten. Um, but I think if you were to go through the films that were very important to me, rather than my favorites, uh, Watership Down would easily be in that list just because it sort of opened my mind to it um the i have a second time that i will talk about as well just because uh this was this was sort of the um this was sort of the blow the barn doors off of what you know Mm -hmm. about movies um i'm i'm divorced uh i'm my my when i met my first wife uh she introduced me to a movie called Amelie. Ooh. It was the first foreign film I had ever seen. Like I'd never watched a subtitled movie. Not because I would not because I was like a, a dumb midwestern, you know, Parasite shouldn't have won best picture type <laughs> of person. Yeah. Um I just I I never thought about it. Like I knew what foreign films were like cuz I'd seen them referenced in movies, but I just I just never watched one. Uh, and when I watched Amelie. that was the type of love story that i was like why can't more love stories be like this uh instead of you know your typical like, like your typical of the time you know your meg ryan's your you know your bad sandra bullock movies um sandra bullock has plenty of great ones i'm just saying some of her yeah some of her lesser ones are definitely like the rom-coms or the the love stories that are kind of like just drivel uh but Amelie sort of opened my mind to a new way of thinking about the medium and uh ever since then like I have kind of just wanted to see everything I could everything I could put in front of my face the weirder the better um the more esoteric the better just because I like learning about history of things as well yeah um so i i I went on for a bit i'm gonna throw that question right back at you jesse uh what about you
0: so it's hard to pinpoint when like i got obsessed with the idea of movie making in general Uh, i know the first movie i ever saw and if you listen to my other podcast about comic books you probably heard the story but uh the first movie i ever saw i was zero years old and my parents took me it was like it it came out had to come out in the summer months either june or july so mm-hmm. I was barely six months at that point, maybe. Okay. And my parents took me to see Batman Forever. Oh wow! And I, I, and I hadn't shown you. You were young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they charged my parents for an adult ticket.
1: What? Yeah, that's what they always,
0: That's the only thing they always tell me about that is like, yeah, you loved it, but they also charged us for an adult ticket, and everybody was mad at us. I mean, they they got
1: they got you 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 got your money's worth out of that one. Yeah.
0: So. And like for a long, like since I was one years old, like Batman was my thing. But that I don't know if that's the reason why It's just because I was exposed to it so young. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've been watching movies since I was a little little baby. Um, but as I as I grew older, I have older parents. I'm I'm 27. I don't remember 27. I have older parents though um, who had who had me later in life. My sisters are much or quite older than me. Um, so I was watching older movies with them whenever they would want to like say, hey watch this movie. I'm watching. I think I've seen almost every John Wayne Western ever existed. Um, like you know, we're like we're watching old rom coms and romances with my mom because like it's all like I can't pick. I was young, so like I'm watching these movies. So sure. I got exposed to older movies very early. But so then, you're like watching "It Happened One Night" or yeah, or "Gone with yeah. the Wind," or I remember Ben Hur being the longest movie ever existed. And then I watched, What was it the Snyder Cut? So it's like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> you want to talk about long movies <laughs> yeah about long long movies um look look up berlin Alexanderplatz. I, it's 15 hours so. I, don't, I don't want to do that we're not doing that
0: one for this uh, <laughs> uh but uh i also like the movie theater in general had so many good experiences and some bad experiences a lot of good experiences like i remember seeing the dark night at midnight not knowing i was going to be able to go to that my yeah. i asked my dad's like hey can you pick up midnight tickets let's go to this and he's like they're all sold out and then he came home from work and i do tickets like how did you can't you can't do that. Or you got uh, got son, <laughs> got, real got. And then we got there late, and that's before reserved seating, so we had to sit in the very front. And you're like watching the dark, not like this for two hours and forty five oh, yeah. minutes. Come back with a compressed spine. Um, mm-hmm. Or another good memory is uh, seeing the original Lord of the Rings trilogy. I didn't see I didn't see Fellowship because I was too young to see Fellowship in the theaters with my parents, or they just didn't want to take me. Uh, but I sure. saw Two Towers and a Return of the King, and that was a great time. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, or a, not a good movie, but a good memory. Spider Man Three, my dad just woke me up in the middle of the yeah. night. he just woke me up <laughs> in the middle of the night, and he goes, "Jesse, Jesse, you gotta get up. We gotta get going." I'm like, "What are we doing?" I'm, I don't know what we're
1: doing. I just- here. I like the idea of your parents just trolling you to go see late
0: movies. <laughs> I told him this. I told him this day. He told me, because my, my dad's a pastor, and uh, he told me that we were going to a, a father-son Bible study with with his friend and my friend. Uh, and we're like, it's early morning Bible study, so that's why I had to wake me up at the middle of the night. And I'm thinking to myself as he's driving, was like, Brandon let not go. Is my dad going to murder me? <laughs> like, is this, like, his excuse to oh, kill Oh, no. Me? <laughs> Oh, like, no. I legitimately thought that as a kid because I watched CSI and stuff growing up. Um, and, and then he, oh, we boy. took me to the theaters and we saw Spider-Man 3 and that was a really nice surprise. And then, like, with all the Marvel movies, I almost always went to Midnight Premiers with friends to see those.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I saw Avengers in L.A. because we were just there on a school field trip and we convinced our chaperones to take us to the theaters. Uh, so, like, stuff like that. It was always magical to me. And so the older I've gotten, though, the craft of it all has gotten more exciting Mm -hmm. and my taste in things has gotten wider to the point where i just don't care about what the movie is i want to try it um and so that's led to a lot of just fun times like i just went on a huge paul newman and robert redford uh marathon because that's a good marathon i never watched any other movies and all of them were available so i'm like i need to watch these yeah (laughs) that was a great time so yeah and there's always bad movies mixed in every once in a while there was one i watched recently i was like this is Terrible. I mean, and also like I have weird opinions. Like I don't think Andy Hall is that good. <laughs> like that's just me. I mean, besides Woody Allen being who Woody Allen is, I don't think the movie itself
1: ages into a into a world that works today. Um Yeah, that's that's yeah. I mean, like when I first started watching his work, uh, I was younger and less aware. Yeah. Um and also like the things that were I think the, the things that were, that eventually came out about him, it's kind of like dealing with a problematic fave.
2: Yeah. In a lot
1: of ways. Uh, and like, I've, I've, I loved it. I loved a lot of his early work when I first saw Annie Hall included. Uh, I've started to, I've, I've slowly liked that less and less. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a bad movie per se. I think, uh, I think I think I I think it's just not no longer for me.
0: Yeah, I think I think my biggest thing, and this will come up probably with certain movies that we bring up, is the oh, message yeah. that everybody got out of that movie is not the message I think that movie was going for, or if it was, it's it's missing the mark itself. Mm-hmm. Because Annie Hall was going at least for me, and then again, this is what this movie, this is what this podcast is gonna be like. Annie Hall for me was going for the and she's always bad, I'm always right kind of motif yes all of 500 days of summer but 500 days of summer was self-aware that he was the jerk that he yeah. was the problem but Annie Hall yeah. not self-aware of that because his character Woody Allen's character is the star is the the shining light the comedic timing person yeah. where Zoe Deschanel is really the star of 500 days of summer I think mm-hmm. um so like everybody's like oh Annie yeah it's about a bad girlfriend and it's like no it's about a terrible boyfriend that's very it's, yeah I think
1: it's it's more it's more narcissistic than anything else yeah
0: which I guess now I mean, that we know the stuff that's come out that makes sense that that's the kind of movie he would write
1: yeah I mean well ultimately that's you could make you could make an argument that that's kind of every movie he's made starring him
0: yeah that uh, yeah true um, and then like there's bad movies that I love um, like recently
1: everybody's hating the new Mortal Kombat I was like that
0: was a good time <laughs> That was a good
1: time for me. Yeah, well, see, like, and, and see, and when you when you get into what what is a what is a bad movie? Yeah, uh, there 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 are the movies that you know get covered on how did this get made, which is uh, which is a, a very good a very good bad movie podcast. Um, but then, the, which I think that a lot of those bad movies come from a place of yeah. of earnest thing. I mean, like watching the movie uh, Tim Burton's Ed Wood.
0: Yeah,
1: um, you know that guy made the movies he made because he really believed in them. Now, <clears throat> you watch those actual movies, you're like, okay, this is going for a thing. Yeah, and it's it's basically clear that you know he, he didn't know what continuity was. Uh, sometimes he just didn't know he, he didn't pay attention to what the actors were wearing. Um, I mean, in, in the movie, Ed Wood sort of points at all of that, but that doesn't really change the fact that he was really, he really believed. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that can be, that can be good, yeah, despite I, being... The same podcast, are, yeah. I was going to say, like, whereas, whereas, yeah, sorry. Go
0: ahead, go no, we're,
1: we're, we're, this is what's going to happen. With, uh, audio, like that Okay. Whereas a movie like After Last Season, where you will see an hour and a half uh, to two hours of characters talking and there are some of those characters you don't even know who they are you don't know what the role is um you know who played these names but they there's also most of the movie that is in one room but you have no idea the geography of the room by the end of the movie yeah um it's it's like the movie the room is a good time to watch yeah Whereas after the last season you're just sitting there going, huh? Yeah. And it's not a cerebral, huh? You're like, I don't know what you're telling me. You know. Yeah.
0: I was gonna say, like, what how does this get made? They talk about like this is a fun bad movie, and this is a bad, bad movie. Yeah. Like the room versus Gili. The room everybody seems to enjoy. I've not never 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 seen it myself. The room okay. everybody seems to enjoy for the train wreck that it is, or Birdemic for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um but Gilly, Sharknado. Yeah, or Sharknado. <laughs> but Gilly, everybody hates because it's just awful. <laughs> like, it's competent people just really being bad.
1: Yeah. Like, I, yeah, it is a, it is a, it is a, it is a bad movie. Um, if I remember correctly, Kevin Smith directed that, right? No, you're, you're thinking of Jersey Girl, because it came around
0: the same time. Oh, okay. Yeah, both right. Ben Affleck. Jersey Girl, yes, that's it? and Jersey Girl, technically, people call that a bad movie i think it is a perfectly great perfectly fine slash great romantic comedy between ben affleck and Liv tyler
1: yeah but it came out yeah. right yeah. after geely so everybody was like oh, i don't know about this okay all right yeah, yeah. i completely yeah but, uh yeah geely was bad i didn't like jersey girl um i haven't watched it since it came out so yeah that's I, fair i, I could not yeah i You know, I've been watching other
0: things. I won't argue anybody that things is bad because I also can see how it's bad. I just, Mm -hmm. out of all the Kevin Smith movies, I was just racially watching um, Patrick H. Willems talk about Kevin Smith movies today uh, because that's what I did at my lunch. Um, And he's like, yeah, I think Jersey Girl is the only Kevin Smith movie that kind of holds up. And I'm like, yeah, because it doesn't have any politics in it. (laughs) It doesn't have any of his like signature politics in it, which just don't work anymore. Yeah. I mean... Or social
1: commentary. Like yeah, it has no. a little
0: bit, but not like any of the other. Movies.
1: Sure. Well, I yeah, no, you're right. You're. I mean, I could. I I remember seeing Clerks for the first time. I remember seeing Mallrats for the first time. I've not watched any of those movies in a very long time. For a long time, I would. I was a staunch, you know, chasing Amy fan. Yeah. But I've also. It's been you know twenty years. Yeah. Well, it's longer than that, but like it's it's been longer than that since it came out. It's been it's been at least fifteen since I really cared about that movie, and yeah, you know, I've I've expanded my own watching habits. So,
0: and and I doubt that this will be the last time Kevin Smith comes up in our in this history of this podcast, probably, because I mean, one probably day I, would, I might just say let's watch Clerks, but uh, I think sure. he's the perfect example of this is the time that this movie was made in, and watch it in that mindset, and you'll have a good time. Because I think, again, all those movies until up until Jay and Simon Bob Strike Back probably are perfectly great in the time they came out in. It's just, it's hard to watch them now and try to get to oh, any totally. kind of the same message out of it because all the messages are kind of screwed up because what we believe about sexuality or about life or about depression all that stuff is just completely changed. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, I think we could start diving into our top ten movies. I'll let you go first now. Again,
1: okay. So we'll just go. We'll go ten to one. Like this is, yeah, favorites. Okay. So uh, my number ten is an old silent film um, called Sunrise: A Song of Two Humans. Uh, it's directed by F.W. Murnau. Uh, I believe it's his final film released before he passed. Um, now it's been a long time since I've I've looked at the history of, of, of both this film and uh, the director, but it came out post-talking f- film. So I think I think it's like 1931, 1932. Yeah. So it, it is after the jazz singer, it is after Chaplin made his first movie with sound in it. Not where he was speaking, but with sound. Um but it's also uh it's also a creator that left Germany for Hollywood. He was uh, pretty prolific. Well, pretty prolific is probably not the word prominent in the German silent, silent German expressionist uh, movement. Like with, with films, like he did the uh, original Nosferatu. Uh, he did the last laugh, which is, which is uh, still kind of a boundary breaker because it's a silent, film with uh no title cards like it tells you the title and the credits but like it's not there's no breaks for like dialogue because everything is told perfectly through the images uh which that's a great movie but um but sunrise i love because you see you see uh kind of the definition of what it's like to be in a in a good relationship and to realize what a good relationship is now i recognize that the protagonist does come close to offing his significant other i believe i, I think they're married but i've it's been it's been long enough since i see i made this yeah. list like a while ago and i'm kind of going from memory so uh let's just let's just predicate everything is like this can change this is not definitive yeah uh especially since you know i'm gonna I, i'm no disrespect i'm kind of using this to sort of get back into watching more movies more no
0: movies. perfectly this is so, going to be um, to watch more movies yes exactly
1: so uh but it, it is it is you know the guy the guy sees uh his grass is greener moment and then, when faced with it, he realizes everything he has and everything he's been, and it becomes one of the most, uh, most beautiful takes on on uh, partnered up love that mm-hmm. I that I that is has is, is said a ton to me uh, since I first saw it in the late '90s, and uh, it is it is a it is a beautiful story, and I really love it. Uh, Jesse, how about? You, yeah do you want to bounce back and forth this way um
0: so for me doing a top 10 list is always hard because it's usually movies i've either seen very recently that i've very much enjoyed they just make their way in there because my mom Sorry. just doesn't remember every movie i've ever seen or it's movies that um people are like oh well, why is this one in here type of thing which is fine um i try to kind of do genre specific movies too not like have more than one genre on here okay. just because i didn't want to overflow but the the first two are basically the same genre which is true true life stories dramatized one's more crime well they're both crime stories but one's more newspaper driven one's more just the drama of the people okay. um so my number 10 is spotlight uh was, oh that's a good film yeah which i love that film most of these are ones I've seen either I've seen recently and I've just been blown away by them, or I've seen them a bunch of times and I just keep rewatching them. Right. Um, so Spotlight's one of those ones I just keep rewatching. It's one of those ones I can always watch, even though it's so heavy. Like a couple of these are very heavy, but I watch them all the time, which is maybe an issue. Um, but uh, I think the casting is perfect in the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. You have a powerhouse of Mark Ruffalo. Um, all the names just left. Um, gosh, it's Mark Ruffalo. Um, what's he plays Sabretooth. What's his name?
1: You were asking the wrong person.
0: I guess I, I got IMDb right here.
1: I'm I'm looking it up right now.
0: Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, Michael, my, yeah, yeah. Leave Shriver's in it. Uh, uh, S- Brian, Darcy James. Cast. Yeah. Oh my god! Stanley Tucci's in it for a little bit. But yeah, it's like, it's an all-star cast. It's a, it's a, it's a tight movie. There's like no wasted space and it's about a really very, little. very important subject, which is about the, the sex crime scandal with uh, the Catholic church that got broken mm-hmm. in like 2008, I think around then or, yeah. or around that time. Um, Pre 2010. That's really all yeah. I remember. And like you could see like how hard it is for journalists out there to actually break stories and then kind of like how no one will believe you at times and this like journalists will come back up in the next movie too um but yeah i just i love true life stories done well um or, mo- or movies that like are fake true life stories like i also like those like rocky mm-hmm. is one of those ones in my mind it's like this could be someone's life <laughs> like, Oh yeah yeah and it works and i think spotlight is like uh one of the top versions of based off of true story type movies
1: yeah it's a great movie
0: and I'm a sucker for just like newsroom dramas because like all, I watched all the presidents from Men recently. I was like, that could make made it on here because I just, I love those movies.
1: Oh yeah. Well, actually I'm, I'm that, that, that's not on my list but it will get mentioned based on uh, a film that it will show up. What's your number nine? Um, my number nine is uh, a, a film that I actually talked to you about recently uh, that, I, that I actually want to do on this show. I'm not pitching it today yeah. but I wanted, I want someone else to watch this uh, and understand my love for it uh, If nothing else It is Gates of Heaven By Errol Morris uh, This is a documentary About pet cemeteries Now <clears throat> this, this is a film Like what I was first Exposed to it When I was reading uh, Roger Ebert's uh, First book uh, On great movies Yeah, Where he, where he compiled his essays and when I I started reading this, this, is the, this was the one that I read. This is the one of those that I read. I think probably close to a hundred times. Um, and I like the fact that there's mystery around it. Uh, it it's I think it, I think this is Errol Morris's first release documentary. Um, but it goes into not only the 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 death of animals uh but also like the importance they have in our lives and every time i walk like i i've i, I recently lost uh well, my ex-wife had our dog that we bought together or that we adopted together his name was milo yeah. um and i recently watched it again because i did that the same time I did that the same way our last dog died because uh, he he Brixton died at a year and a half. He's a boxer, heart condition, endemic in the breed. Milo lasted almost 14 years. So we've got, we got a spectrum there, but uh, watching this film uh, every time I watch it, it, it's, it's a really good, it's a really good, just examination into what pets are. Yeah um and they also talk about like farm animals that that pass and i grew up in the midwest uh spent half of my childhood on my grandparents farm so i know that lifestyle to a degree um and yeah and i think i think this is a a very good watch in that vein um yeah and for being a documentary on something that may or may not actually exist is is fascinating as well because there's a certain mockumentary yeah t- you know bent to that in a way that in, the, in a way that I, I, f- I still find fascinating after all these years of watching it.
0: Um, the, the next one on mine again, uh, another true life story. but again this is one that this is one of the ones though that there's not enough real life evidence in some ways to get it all right but it's a zodiac. Which is, uh, oh, that's... Yeah, which, which is a very long movie that for some reason I decided to watch twice in one day because I saw it with a friend, came back home and I was like, tell my mom about it. And she's like, oh, that sounds great. We should watch it right now. And I'm like, I, okay, I guess. And I put like, it back let's in. Let's go. It, and, we it <laughs> um, and, I, and, and I'm not talking about the theatrical either. I'm talking about the director's cut because that's the only scene I've seen. I've not seen the theatrical. And I don't know what the difference oh. is.
1: See, I've not, um, I've not seen the director's cut. I saw it in the theater. Not yeah, so
0: I, I'm assuming it's almost the same, just more of them running around. Um, yeah. But it's it's just a fascinating character study with again all star cast of Mark Ruffalo and um, Jake Gyllenhaal and Robert Downey Jr. Either right before or right after he did Iron Man too.
1: Yeah, it's uh, like all of a sudden Downey Jr. decided to be an actor again. It, yeah, it, and like it was a weird time.
0: This isn't like Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr., which are getting in like uh whatever that last movie was that he was in um what is it dr Doolittle? like he's still kind of okay. being a little bit tony starkish and uh but even the shot comes he does a little bit of that but it's mm-hmm. it's much different and like it's a movie it's one of those great movies that has a ton of special effects that you do not notice because yeah. they recreate all of san francisco back um, in this in the 70s like they like redo it all CG like you just don't notice it but it's there mm-hmm. and I think uh, Fincher is probably the top five best directors that are, are currently making movies like I would agree with that I don't know if like I don't know if the, in the, the recent Fincher movies he's made a bad one because he knows the craft so well I mean mm-hmm. he knows the craft so well that he was able to wrangle in um, what's his name on social network the writer what is his name
1: oh aaron sorkin
0: yeah like he was able to wrangle in sorkin's dialogue into
1: (laughs) neoliberal centrist (laughs) (laughs) bullshit
0: like i like sorkin movies i'm just saying like they're sure they they get away from themselves so easily
1: and he was able to
0: keep it so tight for social network that that would that would be on here if it wasn't for zodiac being just my other favorite one um yeah again that's another movie i just put on maybe it's a problem i could just put it on at any time and watch it because it's just yeah compelling as soon as as soon as the opening shot like you were just sucked in for three hours
1: and you're good to go and fincher fincher like honestly what i love about fincher is when he does a credit sequence like he knows how to pull you in um like like panic room is one of my favorite credit sequences ever and it's not even because it like it's not even because it fits with the movie because i honestly don't think it does i think it actually stands away from the movie at quite a distance but you're just like man he spent a lot of time here yeah and then we just and then we just get you know a good flick and panic room but like yeah but zodiac is zodiac really
0: and, and zodiac does a really good thing where it starts you off with two different it starts you off with one like detective following the story and then as it progresses you realize it's not about the detective story it's about jake chilenal's story and he slowly pushes himself into the center of the movie once mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. kind of gives up on the case, and so does Ruffalo. Like then, John, John Hall's like, "I'm the star of the movie. Actually, like yeah. this is me," and it makes a really compelling case of who actually probably was the Zodiac killer, but like we'll never know. Yeah, um, I mean, it yeah. was that dude in the hardware store, right? I mean, it has to be, but no one yeah. caught. Like, they never got enough evidence to catch him, but right. It like, <laughs> is all based off the evidence that they had. It's very compelling that that was that man.
1: But if there's anything to go by, you know what Sergio Leone has taught. Film watchers is once you see it on screen, that's it. That's it. That's all that happens.
0: <laughs> so I want deep fake Ted Cruz in that movie, then we can make it happen. Um, that,
1: that, that's, that's, an, that's an old, old he's a Zodiac killer joke. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, joke with with, with that, my number eight is actually a film I've already mentioned in this call. It's Amelie by Jean-Pierre Jeunet. Uh, first four. Well, one I, I haven't seen
0: either. Like so far, um, you've gone three for three of movies I have not seen
1: cool uh well my my next number seven is an anime so i'm probably getting into territory (laughs) you you never know you never know yeah so i'm just guessing based on conversations you and i have had so uh uh but um so amelie is a is a wonderful love story where um i kind of feel like it's 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 been like it's funny like a lot of these this this top 10 is essentially like obsolete because a lot of these films i actually haven't watched in at least five years because i just life um but amelie is whenever i think about it i think about uh i think about the art of of courtship uh in a lot of ways where uh there are there are romantic films that do the you know the hitch thing where like this is how this this is how you get a girl you know which is fucking stupid or this is how you get a partner or whatever um but this is you know a combination of like is this going to work uh can it work? Uh, you know, fuck it. I'm just gonna make it work. And yeah. I I really, I really or I'm I'm gonna make it not necessarily work, but make it happen. It just yeah. happens to work once 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 Amelie and the dude get together. But uh the um the cacophony of just things that happen along the way, it is it is a it is a beautiful chaos and it is shot very well. It is a it is a lovely story that I don't really get enough of uh despite being probably labeled in several conversations as as the dude who likes to think about film. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, like at least that's what people always well you watch you watch movies to think about them. Just like yeah. I do that with oh, every medium I, I mean I, I like, like to, to think, think. Of, I like to think about art. Sorry. Um but yeah, so Jean-Pierre Jeunet, I mean it, I I this introduced me to foreign film, it introduced me to this person as director. And uh, I saw this before I saw any alien movies, so I saw his alien movie and really liked it eventually. Um, his movie Delicatessen is really good, City of Lost Children is very good. Um, a very long engagement like this. This Jean Pierre Junet knows his way around the camera. Oh, might be losing oh, you. Oh, okay, you're back. I I was stuttering, that, that yeah. might have been me. Um, but yeah, I, I love his films and uh, I need to watch stuff that he's done in the past probably five to 10 years because I think the last thing I saw was Very Long Engagement. That was a long time ago. Um, but yeah, that's my number eight. How about you, and, Jesse? And my number eight uh,
0: is uh, and also the first, my first foreign film on here, uh, Rashomon, uh, which I've seen very recently. That was not too long ago. Uh it's Kira Kurosawa, which there's a ton of those I still haven't seen, but I will get to it. Like I haven't seen, I own the Criterion Seven Samurai behind me. I have not gotten to it yet because it's it's long. four and a half hours yeah, long. It's, it's a long, long. it's, it's uh, a long
1: movie.
0: Um, also again stars his main man, the the Toshirô Mufune, uh great actor. Uh, Stray Dog is a detective movie that everybody should watch, but that's not the one. We're Hell talking about. yeah! <laughs> um, but Rashomon, I think, is at least as far as I know personally in my movie going and watching, it's the first movie to do the storyline where you have three different people telling you the story and you don't really know what's happening until the end. Mm
2: -hmm. The
0: unusual suspect style. The usual suspect style. Um, But it's so perfectly constructed and layered to when you get to that final retelling that you're like, ah, this is this is the full satisfaction of like a, a narrative doing its job. Mm-hmm. Um, and the acting is so good and so compelling. And like the camera work is very simple, but it's very, it's simple on purpose to keep you engaged and not try to distract you with a lot of tricks like other movies do. Like if you look at Yojimbo, there's a lot of camera tricks and a lot of editing tricks that are like really make that movie action packed and fun. Mm-hmm. But Rashomon's very a personal story about a criminal and what he did and like who believes what, et cetera. So it's, I think I think that's so far my favorite Kurosawa movie, next to *Stray
1: Dog* probably. It's weird where well I have a Kurosawa coming up later. Hopefully you've seen that one. Um, but it's one of those movies that kind of keeps showing up in terms of relevance because I think there's a lot of like, uh, like think about you know in a in a post Me Too world or yeah. anybody coming out against abusers or or expressing trauma, it's although it's all those points of views but like the it's those individuals truths yeah and it's every every time i've actually that movie i i watched about four months ago and i man that movie's freaking good yeah. it slaps. <laughs> slaps whips rips and fucks i'll say it <laughs> um so i'm gonna go into my number seven is that where we're at yeah seven Okay, uh this is a, a studio Ghibli film. It is not a Miyazaki film, it is Grave of the Fireflies, directed See, by Takahata. Okay, I haven't, that one. That's okay. I
0: haven't so, seen
1: <clears throat> four for four. Um, so Grave of the Fireflies is uh I'm gonna say it, it is the best anti-war movie I've ever seen. It's definitely my favorite one. Uh and you know, I like I like I like all war movies are essentially anti-war movies otherwise they're freaking propaganda Yep. um and this is centers around two children and uh it is probably it, it uh it is probably the best animated um ghibli film you know i know it came out in the mid 80s and you know People will look at Howl's Moving Castle, Spirited Away, Princess Modern okay, You know yeah. all all of those things that came out later. But there's something just we were talking about. Kevin Smith has that time and place sort of thing. This is definitely an '80s animated movie. It's handmade. You can see that all over. Um, but the there are th- th- there's no wasted space. All of the all of the pauses are perfect all of the um moment frenetic moments are perfectly timed and it is just chef's kiss
0: um i think so my next one this is gonna be very interesting because this next one i uh, was spoiled for me by an anime uh I don't, so there's an anime called the great pretender that came out last year or early this year times uh, made up um it, it, where they they the first heist that they pull it's all about con artists. the first heist that they pull is basically this movie but i never saw this movie until this year so i didn't know that so okay. i'm watching it with my dad and he goes and, and he's looking at me for like the twist and i'm like oh is this about to happen and then it happens like how'd you know i was like because an anime literally just did this so, <laughs> it tells you how this movie's influenced a lot of things and that is the sting with robert redford and uh paul newman and um good movie that's a good movie George Roy,
1: George Roy Hill such an underrated director especially in the time that he did a lot of his best work
0: yeah I, yeah and, and there's a lot of people that would argue this against me because I watched Butch Cassidy right after we watched this thing um and I think this is a better movie than Butch Cassidy in my opinion
1: um not that Butch Cassidy is a have, bad movie you have a fellow soldier in me in that fight because uh you the sting is way better than butch Cassidy in cassie yeah
0: opinion as well. i think butch Cassidy in itself is an art for art kind of movie in a lot of ways where the sting is a movie for movie sakes uh mm-hmm. with, with a lot of art in it because the director is just good at that um yeah. but, the, but the plot's fun there's good twists the acting's impeccable and very rarely do you get to see uh what's his name from jaws play a role other than that because that's all everybody knows him for i don't remember his name off the top of my head um
1: are you talking about the guy we're gonna need a bigger boat uh the captain roy, yeah. roy yeah. shire yeah or yeah. shider or i think it's shider because i when i was a kid i thought it was schneider but i think it's yeah. roy shider
0: um but i mean again it's just a fun movie and like don't watch great pretender watch the sting first and then watch great pretender yes because great pretender has other parts to it that aren't the sting but the sting only
1: has the sting like um, um are, are you familiar with mel brooks movies at all Am I? From what? Yes, I am. Have you seen the producers? I have not seen the producers. It's like <laughs> okay. every, I, like so, I've seen a good chunk of those though. Okay, no, that's that's fine. I feel like in the producers, uh, Mel Brooks basically said to Zero Moustal and Gene Wilder, he said, "Hey, be funny." But George yeah. Ray Hill said to Robert Redford and Paul Newman, "Hey, be cool." Yeah, and oh, that's, and totally that's just was. What, that's just that's really what they did. It's like yeah. okay,
0: <laughs> done. And- <laughs> I think Ralph Radford is recognized for the great actor because he's still alive today and still doing great things. But Paul Newman is one of those actors that I feel like has been forgotten in, in a way that's unfair, <laughs> because people talk about people talk about um, God. What is his name? Uh, very young, very young actor. James Dean. James Dean. Well, mm-hmm. um, and, and like like just iconic. which fair but also i was like but like paul newman i fairly hear anybody talk about and it's weird because he made so many good movies back to back to back to back Mm -hmm. and yeah and then and then even later in life he was just making good movies
1: yeah i mean even up until i think i remember wasn't his final film road to perdition uh it's one of his final films i believe yeah it's i don't remember what his actual final film was but i remember seeing that just like man paul newman still and doing it yeah and doing it well like, right? and and you know you're right paul newman is the acting in my mind is the acting equivalent to a director named sydney lamette who did um he did network uh, i'm now all of a sudden i'm blanking on all these sydney lamette films um well, anyway sydney is he's one of those directors that doesn't really have a style yeah uh you, you don't look at his film and go oh that's a Sydney Lumet movie. It just—it yeah. just like looks like a movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and yeah. So Paul Newman is six? that good.
2: Yeah. My number.
1: My number six is uh, is by a, a director named uh, Costa Gravis, or, or no, I'm sorry, Costa Gavras. It is called Z, and it is very much along the lines of all the President's Men, where the back half of all the President's Men is kind of like. It's a chase scene, essentially, yeah. Yeah. but it's a it's a chase scene through facts and events yeah. rather than the French connection where it's cars through New York. Yeah. Um and this is, you know, about uh 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 the assassination of a politician who it's almost it's a very Kennedy-esque kind of uh is, is Algerian French um political thriller. It's oh it's fucking good. Um Again, it's been a while since I've seen it, but when I was doing this list, like I remembered tens that I have done in the past. Yeah. And these are the 10 films that just sort of came to mind as like, yeah, these are the ones. So chances are hopefully we will probably watch some of these and yeah. and and I'll be like, man, why did I have this in my 10? I'm an idiot, Jesse. Why are you hosting the podcast with me? <laughs> I mean, so
0: far you you've named all the movies I haven't seen. So it's definitely gonna be a fun time um hopefully my number six is a more recent movie it's one of the first more recent movies on here uh little woman which came out two years ago i believe Okay, uh, i still haven't seen yeah. that yeah it's the Greta card wig version uh again another all-star cast i'm just picking powerhouse casts
1: sure. um
0: it is this is like what this is the one of the genre movies where really. this is my favorite based off a book one i could think of really well I have a sequel that's technically based on the book coming up, but that's besides the point um, where I think it nails the aesthetic of the book, but modernizes it in a way that is compelling to a modern audience. Cause I was going to go into it and I was like, this is going to be another period piece. And it's going to be the same movie that we've seen, but it's so well executed to the point that you forget that it's supposed to be based off a book. That's like, decades old um and the cast is so good and the emotions hit so well and um Bob Odenkirk's in the movie for like 20 minutes and but he's so good when he's in there yeah. um and so yeah it's just it's just a good time and it's a movie I saw like I saw with by myself I think first and I took my mom and then me and my mom convinced my dad to go and my dad appreciated going too so it's like <laughs> it's one of those movies I think that whole family would enjoy um
1: yeah so that's my number six cool I I've had that on my radar and just haven't had the t- I haven't I there are films that like you know I want to see but like yeah. when I sit down and be like oh I want to see this but I'm like do I want to do that right now yeah and 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 my the the weird mood jukebox in my head hasn't hasn't said it's little Women time so yeah. um uh my number five we're at five yeah, five, halfway. Five. Uh, my it is my Akira Kurosawa, my favorite Akira Kurosawa film. It's called Ikiru. Um, it I is. Seen a, it. it is it. It's an. It's another Mufuni jam. Um, oh, actually, no, it's not Mufuni. I forgot. Crap. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, I have to look up. I don't remember the guy's name. It's not. It's um in the Seven Samurai. It's the guy who kind of leads it. Gotcha. Uh, Takashi Shimura. Um it is a it is i saw this movie for the first time after uh i had been laid off due to outsourcing mm-hmm. in the mid-2000s and i this this was not my experience but for some reason it hit real hard for me at that time it's about uh, a, a rigid clerk who has uh, been diagnosed with a terminal illness I don't remember exactly what it is, but he's also now he's going through his existential crisis. Like, how can I die when I don't really feel like I've lived? Yeah. And so he spends the rest of the. I mean, it's, he, he spends the rest of the movie doing that melodramatic. I'm going to affect things, but it's written and acted and shot in a way that is uh, that just displays perfect execution of melodrama that we would see i mean this came out in 1956 so it's after rashomon if i remember correctly um or no it was released here in 1956 it came out in 1952 originally so it's pre rashomon um if i remember correctly i could be wrong but um we would see this all over this this is the type of thing that you know a lifetime film would have as sort of a wet dream of itself, like yeah. if they could if they could execute right and and exhibit this type of uh, heart wrenching performance, especially with just the way Takashi Shimura sort of reflects on his life and tries to um, just be kind, yeah. In, in the final moments of his life. you know, Sure, he, he kind of does the parks and rec thing where he's trying to uh, af- affect the world around him in a way that will sort of display a legacy, but he's also just like, you know what? He does the little things too. It's not about, he's not going through the whole. well, I have to do this so people will remember me. He's just saying, you know what? I'm gonna be kind to this person. And uh, I really like that. Um,
0: my number five is my favorite romantic comedy so far. I've seen a lot. Of Hall. No. <laughs> I've seen a lot of these cuz of my mom and she'd be upset that I picked this one cuz it's one of her least favorite ones. Um, but it's when Harry met Sally. Which I just watched this. That's movie. one of her
1: least favorite
0: ones? She does she's not a big like foul movie going person. She very rarely okay. watches rated movies. So like I don't Okay. Um, but I think it's one of the most fun and again Powerhouse, powerhouse cast. That's all I'm. That's all I'm bringing. I'm bringing. I'm bringing the heat. That's all I'm bringing. I mean, you know. Um, yeah, ready for this smoke, son. <laughs> yeah. Every every movie, there's not a bad cast in these movies. Um, but it's it's just and it's well executed and it's one of those ones that's like it really draws out the romance to the very end, where it's it they're mostly not together. Like, like that's the whole point of the movie is like it's mm-hmm. them following in love with each other through mishap after mishap after mishap. Mm -hmm. until the point where here oh no spoilers
1: anyways yeah it's a good romance comic if you haven't seen it we might go who knows i mean i i it's been a long time since i've watched it and i've forgotten a lot of plot points everyone remembers the i'll have what she's having thing but like i think another thing is brilliantly interspliced
0: with couples talking about how they met or moments of their life old older couples mm -hmm. and then the then having them talk at the end about them as real as a real couple so like at first you're thinking it's kind of like these are documentaries this is the director um it's rob Reiner director like Mm -hmm. him greeting couples that he knew like kind of documentary style to intersplice but then it has the characters of the movie at the end doing the documentary type thing so that's that's a very compelling way to to do that intersplicing too yeah
1: yeah yeah we should we should you know what? Let's, let's do that for another let's, play, yeah, let's do that for Valentine's Day. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll, we'll do a do couple a, of romantic comedies. Jeez. For for <laughs> okay, so <laughs> February 2022 mapped out. Um, yes. So my number four is my favorite Disney movie. Okay, uh, so I probably have seen this one. So uh, it is Fantasia. Um, I have seen this one. So uh, this was an early film in a theater experience for me as well i think it was probably when i was in kindergarten and i saw mickey mouse with the wizard hat on tv and i'm like mom we gotta go see that uh eventually she took me to that and then that was it's probably played a big part into why i love music so much yeah um and uh i mean i also think that it is flawlessly animated um i think the i think just about everything in the film is uh it changes over time how much i like different sections of the film like i think when i first got a vhs copy in the early 90s uh i always skipped the stravinsky one i always skipped the beginning and uh i got to like the first symphony where it was just you know colorful characters um And I almost never, when I was a kid, watched the Death Mountain one because I, like, here's some oversharing. I was sheltered from a lot of horror movies growing up. So like, I didn't see uh, a lot of the Nightmare on Elm Streets or Friday the 13th till I was in my 20s. Oh, don't worry. I was a big baby too. Uh, I'm hungry. I mean, I, my parents just, they're like, no, that'll give you nightmares. So I just always, you know, my parents told me I would, I would be afraid. So I was just naturally afraid. Uh, Then I realized, oh, wait a minute. These are kind of, Um, oh yeah that's eventually what hopefully happens right it's all made up huh so at so at the at the end i would always skip through i would always skip through the death mountain sequence till you see the big monster in the mountain at the end and then but uh the this is where my catholic upbringing comes in i really loved ave maria for a very long time and i we could argue the merits of the beauty of the piece uh not necessarily the faith that sort of holds it up but um but yeah so fantasia is a is a movie that i absolutely adore to this day and i hope one day to have a child that i can share it with
0: it's not on my list but my favorite disney movie is hercules i'm just gonna put that out there um that's not a bad yeah that's not that's, bad pick. that's not a bad pick I'm still bringing um, heat, Jesse. <laughs> uh, but my number four movie is my favorite sequel and probably my favorite sci-fi movie. It's hard because there's so many good sci-fi movies. Uh, that at least I appreciate. Um, but it's, it's, it's the only sequel on here that I think is better than the original that comes from. And that is Blade
1: Runner 2049. Okay, I've actually not seen Blade Runner 2049. Oh, sick, I, got, I got you here. Yes, um, I well see. Okay. I I pitched my wife Reba uh, going to see Blade Runner 24-9. She's like, but I haven't seen the original. I'm like, it's one of my favorite movies. We should watch it. I made the dumbass decision of watching the final cut because I had never seen it. Bad idea. The final cut of Blade Runner is bad unless you've seen and been a fan for Blade Ru- of Blade Runner forever.
0: Yeah, that's the only one I've ever seen. And I saw parts of the original cut. And I'm like, I don't like this voiceover that's part of this. So I'm just going to stick with the final cut.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, and seeing because... and Okay, so it's... It, I didn't like the final cut because um, I feel like it it's not very inviting. And yeah, that no, that's be, fair. That can that can be a pro or a con, but tell me about 2049.
0: So, I think Blade Runner the original to me when I saw it cuz I watched I watched it too before I saw 2049. But not like I watched it a long time before I saw 2049, but it was still newer to me. I just remember that movie being to me very very boring. It had a really cool it's great set designs great uh reuse of uh, special effects great soundtrack if you find out how they made that soundtrack it is unbelievable um again in good acting great acting i just thought the plot of it didn't wasn't cohesive enough to be compelling everybody talks about the 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 last scene where he's he's in the rain and he does the uh he does the speech and it's like yeah, yeah. it's good it's good acting it's good everything but nothing before that brought me to that point to be like ah, I'm with you, I'm with you the whole way <laughs> but 2049 takes that same premise for the most part but even pushes further with the whole like is Decker a replicant or not with your, yeah. with Ryan Gosling's character in a lot of ways um, and pushes it to a point where like it is longer, it is spacier but you need that space for that movie to breathe because it is pounding you with the heaviest subject material that I've ever seen in a sci-fi movie and also that movie is brutal it has one of the most realistic and disturbing (laughs) quick death scenes i've ever seen in a sci-fi movie Mm. and it's very early on in the movie it's not like late in the movie it happens quickly and fast and it's just it's there in your face and it still haunts um uh the only bad part of that movie is Jared leto's in that movie but it's not bad because he like his character's bad it's bad because he's just bad in the movie Yeah. Um, but the special effects in the movie, too, they, like, recreate people. It's the best, like, de-aging or recreation of someone's face mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Um, and, again, it's just a
1: compelling amount of
0: sci-fi that's just rolling slowly towards you.
1: <laughs> right. Well, okay, so I'll say this. The de-aging thing, did you see the – was it Tron Legacy? Yeah, yeah did you see like i thought the de-aging in that was was it so you think it's better than the jeff bridges de-aging
0: yeah i I think because they had to recreate someone and so you when you look at the special effects you get to see how they do it they found someone looks extremely similar kind of like what they did with uh spoilers for season two of the mandalorian uh
1: well have you seen season two of The Mandalorian? I don't want to spoil it. I haven't it. seen it yet. Yeah, okay, never mind. i spoil it. But like, spoil no, it. Uh... Spoilers. So I, I, I'm i not going to discount anybody that might listen to the Spoilers don't bother me.
0: Yeah, so I'm gonna try to avoid them though in general if I okay, can. That's, Except that's when we're
1: talking fully about a movie. Sure. Um,
0: but like uh Rogue One where they did Tarkin, like Tarkin okay. in that movie. All right, yeah. They got someone that. who kind of looks like Tarkin and then they built upon it. This mm-hmm. one, they got someone who looks very similar, like the actress, but they really, really did good photorealism on the face to the point that I thought the actress was still alive.
1: Oh what <laughs> like, I didn't <laughs> nice. know she died
0: until after the movie. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, so, <laughs> so that yeah, it's impressive. Um, again Dennis Vanel uh, Vanilla, I can't pronounce his last name. Oh,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say Villanueva. Yeah. But one of the best me, or Villeneuve.
0: sci fi directors, uh, or just directors in general, because he did Prisoner and that's a, such a good movie, Prisoners.
1: Um, like mm-hmm. I'm so excited for Dune. Anyways, so that's I don't know if we're talking too long, yeah. gotta move on. Uh, no problem. Uh, my number three is a, an, an old French movie uh, made by a Spaniard that was exiled from Spain for being... Uh, well, he was a political exile. I'm trying to remember. The, he was being anti-fascist, essentially, which is, you know... Think, uh it's in the hate, I guess. But it is, uh, is Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie, directed by okay. luis Boonwell. um what i love about Boonwell's work and i i could have easily switched in um exterminating angel uh because they're about they're about the same thing they're done at different periods in his life but discreet charm of the bourgeoisie is about a group of rich people that sit down with all of their fanfare and and um uh their their postulation of like position and status but they never get to eat they sit down like 10 to 15 times in this movie and something always interrupts them be it uh you know just one of them gets a call be it uh the curtain goes up and they they realize they are sitting on a stage and it's a fourth wall breaking thing it's uh Bunuel came out of the surrealist movement that happened in the 20s um i believe he was a uh, compatriot of salvador dolly gotcha uh either, it's either it's either dolly or picasso i don't remember which uh, a lot of the history is escaping me but um for being a, a movie that has such a simple pop plot point that it refuses to finish and it it like at the if i remember correctly at the very end and this doesn't i'm going to say the end but it doesn't really spoil it yeah because until you've gotten there, it doesn't make it, nothing makes sense. But ultimately they actually almost get to eat. And then I believe the army shows up and shoots all of them because reasons. Yeah. Um, and while it comes off as chaotic, um, anarchic and uh, completely free form, there is a structure and a flow to it that uh, at least in terms of the way my mind works, uh, it clicks so uh discreet charm of the bourgeoisie it's in the criterion collection watch it
0: <laughs> uh my number three is another more recent movie um and it's my favorite horror with quotations because i don't personally find it a horror movie i see it more as a thriller and obscure movie and that's the lighthouse uh, oh shit! Yes. Yeah. Um. I saw that by myself. No one wanted to go with me. Well, people did, but they couldn't go. And then everybody else that could go didn't want to go. So I went to it by myself. Sat in the very corner, top corner of the theater, by myself. Um, it was a nice reclining seat theater, and I had the most enjoyable movie going experience I've had in a, in a minute. It's, mm-hmm. it's a movie that's I think it's four by three. Like it's in yeah. It's just like, like what? It's, it's, it's a four by three HD four K movie. Uh, all black and white. Complete. This is the the thing that, but like blows my mind, and I feel so bad for the crew. But they, I guess, had a love doing it. Complete natural light.
2: Mm-hmm. They had yeah. to
0: wait till shut. Like they had to wait till either storms would pass, or if they were running out of daylight, they had to just film the next day. The lighting is completely natural in that movie. And if you've seen that movie, that is the most insane thing they could have done in that movie. Um, movie. Is, have you ever heard of the movie Days of
1: Heaven? I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. Okay, that movie is shot entirely at Twilight Time. Uh, oh, yeah, yes, yes, actually. <laughs> I, I, they they only it. shot at Sunset. Yeah, but like, yeah, you should, yeah, you should see it. It's, it's trippy how, how, um, it ends up, how it ends up coming
0: off. But it's powerhouse performances by uh, um, by Willem Dafoe and um, Robert, Robert Pattinson. They're like basically mm-hmm. the only two actors in the movie. There's like three other people maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a movie that doesn't show its hand until near the end, um, and when it does, you're like, "Oh, this is what this movie's about." I'm not, and I'm not even talking about like the weird mystic stuff that, that happens in the movie. I'm talking about the plot that's happening between the two men. When that mm-hmm. hand shows itself, it's I'm, I can't say I can't say what it's I think, a, wait, what, what? It's the perfect, I can't say what's the perfect thing because it just spoils what the movie is. But it, it is it is amazing. Right. One amazing third act reveals. I think I've seen in a minute. Um, and then the, the ending's weird. Yes, I'll give it that. But the ending's weird. But I don't care. It, the whole rest of the movie's
1: great. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, my number three. I mean, it's based on an Edgar and Poe thing. So those things yeah. didn't really end well a lot of the time. And the next thing he's gonna do um, is Vikings. Let's go. Yeah, let's let's go. Um. So, uh, so I've noticed. I've I've noticed a couple of things. My movie, my my movies that I hold up skew a lot older. Um, and I think that's just because I grew up uh the way the way i grew up i didn't grow up uh with a lot of folks that wanted to go see what was out so yeah. i spent a lot of time at like movie stores or rental stores or yeah. whatever just trying to ingest whatever i could find
0: yeah, yours is um, a lot so, of in,
1: independent and foreign
0: uh, older stuff too or like the oldest stuff mm-hmm. i watch is so, what my parents wanted to watch not any of
1: that yeah, uh, but um, my my second favorite film of all time was the is the movie that made me initially want to work on films. Um, it is called Eight and a Half. It's okay. by uh, it's directed by Federico Fellini, and it is as someone who has done writing uh, as a music critic and tried to write scripts for forty eight hour film projects or, uh, come up with ideas for scripts. Um, it is the perfect representation of the jumbled mess that we pull stories from, uh, not necessarily, it's not necessarily an abstract jumbled mess. It's just the jumbled. I mean, it's clearly autobiographical, despite Fellini not using his name anywhere. Um, but it's clear that just by watching the movie, when he was coming up with this idea, he didn't know what he was doing, and eventually he just he just pulls it all together and just says, "You know what? This is I, I've been thinking about my problems in my marriage, uh, coming of age when I came of age, uh, doing doing something science fiction, doing something that says something heavy about the state of the human condition." But in the end. I'm just gonna, I'm just going to enjoy the chaos that exists in my head. And somehow that narrative works. It's, it's, I mean, someone who, who wishes they could, you know, be a writer, uh, that chaos comes up day to day for me, um, I mean, thank God I'm in healthcare where I can just sort of mechanically do my job and think about other things. And my work doesn't really come home with me a lot of the time, despite, yeah. you know, yeah, all this. Um, I genuinely love the fact that someone had the stones to make a decent budget movie and say, you know what, I don't know what this is about let's go (laughs) and it's 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 great performances from Anouk Ami uh Marcello Mastriani uh it's one of my favorite movie soundtracks from one of my favorite composers uh Nino Rota who did a lot he did a lot of music that sounds like it belongs in an old-timey circus but somehow that's not creepy um yeah Fellini rules man Fellini rules
0: um, my number two is my probably my favorite anime movie and one of my favorite animated movies in general, and that is Perfect Blue, um, directed okay. by the late great uh, Satoshi Kon, who was taken far too soon because he only got to make five movies basically. Um, and I think Money and Actress is also right next to it as my favorite Satoshi Kon movie, but I think Perfect Blue's an an, an art and thriller but it's a thriller and psychological thriller which has inspired a ton of movies like satoshi khan's like people's like yeah nolan's ripped him off uh um whoever did uh black swan i can't remember his name has ripped him off like perfect blue is basically black swan in a lot of ways but again ripping off in movies is just happens everybody does it yeah um but and i love
1: martin scorsese but like come on yeah. it's been done before. Quentin Tarantino basically rips off Scorsese. So yeah. um
0: so basically Perfect Blue though for me is like it's a showcase that animation can tell the same story in in even better ways than an actual like live action movie can do because it's the thriller that pulls off mind games because it can trick you with animation better than you can in some film. And so I personally think it's one of the most that and Millennium Actress. Um, are two of the most compelling ways to use the animation in adult filmmaking in a lot of ways
1: but i think perfect blue is my favorite version of that i've never heard of this before now can, and now i and now i want to watch it, it i yeah i think we should what was was the, actress, what, i think will blow, what, your, what, both will blow your mind what's the
0: other one called millennium actress millennium uh, actress yeah Okay. Uh, he did Pap- Paprika also and uh, Tokyo Godfathers and then he did one t- anime which was uh, Paranoia Agent which is the that and Tokyo Godfathers are the two I have not watched of his
1: Okay, so I've heard of Paprika and Tokyo Godfathers just because yeah. I saw those on, when I worked at Tower Records, I yeah. saw those on shelves um, At least I think I it, it, Paprika is definitely yeah. popping out at me um, Inception is just Paprika in a lot of ways Oh really?
0: Yeah, it's all about dreamscapes Okay,
1: okay yeah i I, yeah we gotta we gotta yeah i want to watch this um okay so now now we are to number one so my number one and this is probably the most changeable on my list just because just because it's been it's been a long time since i've it's been a long time since i've seen a movie that will uh, that will do what it did to me but uh, also I can recognize that in 2021 this is probably problematic to several degrees but I also think that the the creators and everyone and the creator like I think the film kind of reconciles that with the material yeah. that I it use. it's it's uh raging bull by Martin Can't Scorsese I haven't seen it <laughs> well i'm not gonna make i'm not gonna make a huge push for it just because it's been a long oh, time. oh so i'm down I to watch
0: it I've, I've, I've been meaning to watch raging bull just haven't it, got around to it it's
1: it's it, it, when i when i saw it it was i saw it when i was like 17 and it was the like i'd seen goodfellas i'd seen casino i had seen a lot of scorsese's Uh, Like I'd seen Bringing Out the Dead Um, I'd seen a lot of Scorsese's work Like Immediately preceding um, Like Casino and Goodfellas uh, And some a little bit after But I'd never Like this is before I'd seen Taxi Driver Before I'd Mm. seen Mean Streets Before I'd seen um, New York, New York Or After Hours Or even The Last Waltz at that point Um, I watched this and I was like being a dude sucks, <laughs> but also not like not like that. You know, we have it hard compared to anybody yeah. else. Because let's not let's not open that can of worms because we we, we have it pretty. Easy. Yeah, we It's it's pr- it's, pr- it's not really fair, but also like the the flaws presented in in Jake Lamada and the way that. Uh, De Niro plays it, the way that Pesci plays it, the way that uh, I think her name is Kathy Moriarty uh, the way that she plays the love interest uh, the fight scenes in the movie uh, the this black and white hasn't really been replicated since and uh, while the lighthouse is a wonderful exhibition and using natural light there's something very uh, gorgeous about the way Raging Bull is shot, and uh, I still, I still think about sections of this film quite a bit. Um, not necessarily from like a self-identification purpose, but it's just like I just think it's it's a beautiful,
2: yeah.
1: beautifully executed masterpiece. Um, this is the one, if I would say that should have gotten Scorsese the, the best picture, that's fair. or the best the best director Oscar um more so than like taxi driver more so than goodfellas uh more definitely so, more so than of wall street in my
0: opinion, definitely
1: definitely more so than wolf of wall street because wolf, wolf i mean and i i don't remember who said it but i i heard on a podcast that the people who have wolf of wall street i know bagel wolf of wall street you know it's problematic um but the people who have Wolf of Wall Street posters in their dorm room would have been would have had Goodfellas posters in the '90s, yeah, and probably Raging Bull posters in the '80s, yeah. But that doesn't. I mean, sure, those individual the people that have those posters can probably be jackholes, but that doesn't mean this is bad art.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. So, um, uh, so yeah, uh, my number one movie is not a perfect movie by far from it, but it is um, my favorite superhero movie. And I think a movie that gets forgotten and is one of the most compelling in the genre, even now, and that is Batman Returns. Um, Not Batman, not The Dark Knight, not Batman Begins. Batman Returns, the one with uh, Michael Keaton, Tim Burton directing again, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Danny DeVito. Respect. Respect respect it is, it is a weird movie don't get me wrong it's very oh, man it's very <laughs> bizarre i was not i was not allowed to watch it very much as a kid um my parents hate my parents don't understand why i love it so much um it is an extremely feminist movie <laughs> it really is extremely it, it surprised me rewatching watching it last year with a bunch of friends i'm like he was he was like Catwoman was like the hero of the whole movie. Like Batman was not. It was all Catwoman. And like there's there's again there's weird stuff. Tim Brent's history with casting is a bit weird. We can go into that another time. Um, but also as a whole, people I think forget that Batman and Robin is an odd one out because it's not really narratively fit with the other three. The first Batman movie is Bruce Wayne dealing with the Joker, and the first time ever coming across someone like him, kind of broken. But in an evil way, and mm-hmm. then and um and then and then falling in love with someone who finds out, and then Batman returns. He you find out he loses that person because she found out and she, she she couldn't choose, and then finding someone that's like him again, but in the same duality sense, and yeah. then in Batman Forever, that continues that narrative of Bruce Wayne dealing with identity to the point where at the end he realizes i choose to be both bruce wayne and batman and it's not about the brokenness inside of me as a kid i've gotten over that at this point because there's a lot of psychic uh psycho um psychoanalysis going on in batman forever that people miss because that movie's goofy. um i'll get out but it's it's a compelling trilogy it's a very compelling trilogy that people i think don't realize and batman returns i think is the best one of the three though because it just kind of nails all the themes it's going for, even if penguins really gross. So yeah. Yeah. See it's, it's now whenever, like less Batman
1: when, in that movie too than any other one. Yeah, the, for, for being a Batman movie, there's whole there's a whole lot of not Batman. Yeah. It, but um and, and for some reason because I've watched a lot of this particular show, um anytime people talk about Batman just in general, I think of the key and peel valets. Yeah, where like even when we're talking about the Batman's, <laughs> like it's, it's it's I mean it's a really good bit, especially where they're they're naming the actors and the villains in, in Batman. It's 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 funny, um, but yeah, the Batman uh, of while it's been a long time since I've seen the original two Batman or the original two Burton Batmans, um, I think I still like them more than the Nolan trilogy
0: yeah I think I think Batman Begins and The Dark Knight are the tighter of the of those three in general which again goes for the the, oh sure
1: uh, the the Burton movies
0: I think the Burton movies are tighter than Batman Forever is um yeah but the the story that The Dark Knight Rises tells versus the story that Batman Forever tells or Batman Forever tells a better third act and the dark knight rises does in my
1: opinion oh yeah the, yeah the dark knight rises there's like okay we have to we have a lot of dangling threads here how are we gonna do this and bands like and, and, i'm just gonna and, talk <laughs> yeah and knowing that the joker was supposed
0: to be the villain for the third movie and then losing uh heath ledger like we did heath ledger yeah and, and then and then Nolan having to just rewrite his trilogy basically at that point it, yeah i get it that movie's gonna be rough yeah um
1: yeah definitely
0: yeah, that's those are our top 10s that They're gonna definitely shift around, mm-hmm. and we're probably gonna pull from those. So expect to hear some of those movies come back. Um, but very quickly, cool. oh yes, uh, we also wrote some directors that we want to kind of get into more through this, if possible. Um, I don't want to go one by one like we did and kind of explain. I just kind of want to burn through and maybe say if we've seen movies or if we haven't seen any movies mm-hmm. by them. Um, I'll sure. go. I'll, I'll go first real fast. Um, Wes Anderson. I've seen one movie. <laughs> I've seen Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, oh man, I envy you. Yeah, it's the only one I've seen, but I would love to see wow. those. They're so fascinating to me, and his style so. Yeah. This. Wow. Um, okay.
1: All Paul, right.
0: Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. I've seen none of his movies, um, and so.
1: Oh man, I envy you. <laughs> like I know, there's a lot of his, there's a lot of his recent stuff I haven't seen, but like the early stuff that I saw. Yeah, oh boy, I would love to see those again for the first time. Uh, Spike Lee. I think I've seen
0: one Spike Lee movie. And that's Inside Man which is a great okay. movie um but i have not seen yeah. anything else by him far as i know um coen brothers i've seen two no three coen brothers movies i've seen fargo i've seen the big lebowski and i've seen um oh brother Ratha. uh so i know there's a bunch i need to see stuff oh. yeah. um coppola okay. i don't think i've seen any coppola movies i don't think i've seen any <laughs> Have you seen, uh, you haven't seen any
1: of the Godfather movies? None of
0: the Godfathers. Okay. Um, and I can't think of any of his more, his, his later stuff that I would have seen. Bram
1: Stoker's Dracula.
0: I think no. that, that was the only one of thing his... I've seen is uh, Captain Neo, his uh, Michael Jackson Disneyland.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Part, that's the one I've seen. Wow. That's the one I've not seen.
0: <laughs> <So> <laughs> but... It was still
1: playing when we went to
0: Disneyland. I'm like, I gotta wow. see it. Wow. Yeah, I remember um,
1: Well, when I was still a music critic and uh, I did a big piece on my, when Michael Jackson died and I tried to find a way to watch Captain EO because I'd never seen it. I did yeah. um, I did like a sort of a video retrospective of him and I couldn't find any way to watch it. So that's still the only one I've not seen of Coppola's. Um, and then uh, Park Chan
0: uh, Waku did uh, old, the original Old Boy and The Handmaiden. I haven't seen any of his movies and I know they're very good. I need to watch them even though i know oh, the spoiler boy. for old boy i
1: still need to watch it um okay yeah yeah uh so i would watch so okay all right now continue keep continue. and, and <laughs> last one other than uh
0: the last thing i have to say about directors is bong chu ho which i saw parasite in theaters and i watched it again when the blu-ray came out it's a fantastic movie it should be on my top 10 it just isn't because i had too many to pick from um it's fantastic storytelling and i really want to see um, Memories of Murder and The Host because I keep on hearing how great those are yeah
1: they're really good
0: <laughs> uh, and then so, I'll also, I also put anyone else I should know because I know there's a lot of directors I'm just missing that I don't know oh sure I'm familiar with
1: yeah yeah who you know? like like I I also I also did directors I like but we, we don't have to go through that um but directors I'm interested in um I've heard this I've heard this director mentioned I don't know how to say his name uh he's a Chinese director I think he's he's a chinese or taiwanese uh it's hu xiao Xien. so that's h-o-u-h-s-i-o hyphen h-s-i-e-n i've never seen any of his movies i've heard him mentioned in high Regard garden film circles That's, uh, um, that's uh, i don't ha- let me pull that up real quick because there's one i've there's one uh i want to say taiwanese film i've seen maybe it's chinese
0: uh, in the mood for love. And I
1: don't know if that's that director or not. Oh, that's Wong Kar Wai. Wong oh, okay. Um, and that is Korean, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, so he did, uh, Millennium Mambo in 2001, Cafe Lumiere in 2003, three times, uh, which I was working at a movie theater in Philly. I was working at an art house theater when that came out. Um, and I wanted to see it, but never actually got to. Flight of the Red Balloon, uh, I actually had tickets to that, but got six. So couldn't see that. And most recently, he did The Assassin in 2015. Gotcha. I think I've heard The um, Assassin. Um, and then, uh, let's see, after that, um, a Finnish director named Aki Kaurismaki. Yeah. Um I think... He has a couple of films in the uh, in the Criterion Collection. Um, I don't know anything he's di- directed off the top of my head. The reason I actually saw him, I'm a big fan of the director Yasujiro Ozu uh, who directed Tokyo Story, Floating Weeds. Um, very great Japanese director. He's in uh, a documentary, I believe it's called It's either called Finding Ozu or Talking With Ozu. You can find this on the Criterion channel. Um, And it's basically a whole bunch of directors looking at a picture of Ozu and just talking to him. And his is probably my favorite because he's the most most self-aware and unafraid to compare himself to the Japanese master. Um, But what he has done um, that I've heard of, I've heard of uh, Crime and Punishment, Uh, his his specific adaptation uh leningrad cowboys go to america the match Factor girl i hired a contract killer uh la vie de bohème um take care of your scarf tatiana leningrad cowboys meet moses i've heard of all these i just haven't seen them yeah um so yeah i i i do want to watch uh well i'll watch one if i don't like it i probably won't go back for more but hey yeah. you know I'm, yeah, al- I'm always looking for i'm always looking for new stuff um mentioned in this particular uh conversation dennis Villanue- Vill- villanueva villanueve um i've i don't think i've seen anything he's done um yeah so i haven't really i haven't, done,
0: like, I haven't handful,
1: so i haven't seen blade runner 2049 what did you do before that
0: before that was Arrival before that which i've not seen enemy and then before that was prisoners
1: okay uh why so, do i think i saw maybe i haven't seen prisoners i might uh, be thinking of something else when Pri-
0: prisoners is uh, about uh terrence howard and hugh jackman's daughters get kidnapped and then jake jill has to track down the kidnapper but hugh jackman slowly gets more and more enraged and tries to track down the kidnapper himself
1: so right. when it's I great. said I when I when, when I said I saw prisoners, I think I'm thinking of something different
0: I yeah I saw that. Um, um, an enemy is Jake John Hall versus Jake John Hall.
1: Uh, it's about uh, doppelgangers. All right. And then um, Nicholas Winding Refn Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen a I've seen a couple of his films. Yeah, me too. Um, but I want to see more I'm I've seen Drive. Try, I've seen Drive. Um, um, didn't he do Atomic Blonde? as well
0: I, I don't think he did Tom he did uh neon angels or neon demons
1: okay um so i've seen bronson i've seen drive um i have not seen uh what he did um, um prior to that yeah he did one i think one movie
0: before that um i know he'd followed up drive with only god
1: forgives and it
0: like the point of that movie was to make a bad movie <laughs> in a way um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and me, me and my best friend we talked about uh earlier, Nate. Uh we watched that because we're like, we want to see what a bad version of that movie is. And boy, the movie is not good, but it sticks with you in a weird way. It's like a bad taste. <laughs> um, like every once in a while Nate goes, Do you want to rewatch only our uh, the like I'm not, i not I can't remember what the name of it is after I'm mad, but I was like, You want to rewatch that? I'm like, no, but I feel like we should. <laughs> <laughs> Um,
1: I think it's called Only God Forgives but I could be mistaken Okay, Um, so my final one that I'm going to mention is a director that I've seen on shelves but ended up not renting Um, he's he's, uh, Mm. no longer with us, he died in 1992 his name is, and I'm going to butcher this it's Satyajit Ray Um, his most notable work is the Apu Trilogy which consisted of Pather Panjali uh, Aparajito and Apur Sansar, uh, which was released in the West as the world of Apu. Uh, these were between 55 and 59. Um, I first heard of him in his, uh, in, in Ebert's book, yeah. uh, his first book, The Great Movies. Um, he talked about the Apu trilogy. And I think in the second one, he talked about another one of his movies called The Music Room. And um, there used to be a video chain here called TLA that had a had, an, had the best foreign film section that i've ever seen in uh, a rental in a rental place um keep, I, why do i hesitate to call them a store anyway um and i saw tons of of movies from like Southeast Asia and things that I'd just never been exposed to before. And while I tried to get a lot of them, I did miss out on, on Ray's work. So that has been something that and I know it's on criterion now. So sweet. It's um, it's time.
0: <laughs> so lastly, before we wrap up, we gotta pick a movie for next week. Uh the one I brought is I thought I brought some, I thought I up something weird first. It's the first an only movie i believe tom hanks has ever directed and that that's thing that, that's that thing you do
1: that um, is the oh uh, yeah
0: yeah i love that movie actually <laughs> oh great the movie that we've, all, we've seen multiple times it's a great period piece it's a great commentary on the beatles in a lot of ways um
1: yeah it's a fun movie yeah. so
0: I, mm-hmm. I would like to rewatch it and talk about it just to have some fun and fresh uh not fresh for some fun for the first time but what, do you, what did you have
1: in mind so i was actually going to say let's do the first in the apu trilogy um which is called uh pathir panjali uh i've never seen it so i can't really talk about it um but i feel like this is the part where uh i'm going to just concede for this one okay and just because um i think uh the way we're the way you and i had talked about doing this and yeah. i'm not like i'm not like trying to i'm not like trying to pull a point of order here yeah, yeah. Uh, just because i think like it's, it's good to establish it's good to establish this rhythm uh we will we we will pitch the movies going forward watch a trailer have a discussion and we yeah. won't like record us watching the trailer because who wants to listen to that yeah um but at least we'll at least like have uh have a way to present I, I say present an argument but at least like say this is why i want to watch it yeah for sure you know? um and this is a rough trap so uh, exactly exactly that's why um, i mean and you know what that thing you do i haven't seen that movie in at least 15 years so, so it's time to watch it again
0: let's let's just say then the first one movie we're gonna watch is that thing you do so that will be two weeks from whenever you hear this unless both mm-hmm. are out by that point um and then the two the movie after that will be the first in the apu trilogy i would say just so we, okay, have our first, we can do that. We have our first drafts basically done
1: yeah or um, or, so, or we'll see how we're feeling at the yeah, end of if next we episode decide,
0: if, <laughs> if you decide you want to pick something else we can pick something else as long as exactly. uh, we say it by next episode so people can follow along um and then hopefully by the third episode we might have a guest to come on and talk about their favorite movie or movie they want to talk about um so yeah so two weeks from when you, when you hear this We'll talk about that thing you do. Uh, you should be able to get it on any digital platform. It's not streaming on any subscription platform, as far as I know,
1: but it's only like three bucks to rent. Okay. So, yeah. So, bad. rent. Um, got, got to rent that on iTunes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Matt, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, um, yeah. I'm at infinite underscore rewind everywhere. Um, so, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram. Um, and, uh, and, yeah. I, I also play video games, Infinite Underscore Rewind on PSN and oh, Steam. There you go. So. <laughs> so. Um, For
0: my personal stuff, I'm also uh, at Sleeper of the Bed Everywhere. Um, that's all how it sounds. Uh, and there's no social media and stuff at the time of recording this for our show, but I'm, it's probably going to be under something like free, re, uh, free reeling it. Uh, I'll put it in the links whenever this comes out. Um, we'll have it by next episode. Uh,
1: but yeah, that's the show. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you. So just chill. Yeah. Till the next episode. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, we'll come up with a we'll come up with catchphrase. It took me a long time. A couple of catchphrases rather uh, You know, w- watch a movie. Have yeah, fun.
0: Sit back, grab some <laughs> popcorn, and stay tuned for the next time. Yes. Um, but yeah, have a good night, everybody. Peace.